If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Good evening to all of my fellow fans of those savages in the box, and welcome to episode 13 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks as always. I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this Sunday evening, September 15th, 2019. How's everybody doing? What a week and what a day, too. I'd like to thank... Randall Grichuk and the New York football giants for mostly ruining my Sunday. (laughs) I hope you're doing well, though. Got a good episode ahead of us with the polls discussion, and I have a couple of good topics before we get into the weekly recap and all that good jazz. But and we'll talk about the Yankees six and four road trip as well. That very well could have been an eight and two trip, if you ask me. But before we get into all of that, Let's get going by first, as always, giving our shout-out to the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. So, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network, they feature Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and, of course, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow them, Team Left Jab, on all social media platforms and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart, you name it, everywhere. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab, guys. So, also before we get into the Twitter and Instagram poll that I posted for the week, I did want to pose an idea to you, my listeners, for the Yappin' Yankees podcast. It's been it's been a thought on my mind for some time now. I've been thinking of, you know, really just taking the podcast in other directions and, and, and helping it grow and things like that. And one idea I had was to start doing Twitter live at, for every episode. And, and you know, I, I just... I like the intimacy of just me and the microphone and you, and I, I do like that, and, and I'm and I'm kind of a guy that really doesn't want to be seen visually that often. Like, I, I just like having my voice heard, and I don't like to be seen that much, but I do know that it really helps interaction at times to have a sort of a live feed going during a show, even if it's pre-recorded like this. I don't really care, but I know it just usually helps things with, with some groups of people, and, and you know that I love interacting with you. I love interacting with you on the polls, if you want to message me, if you want to DM me, is, and I've gotten DMs throughout the weeks, and, and it's, it's, I love interacting with everybody, and you know my, my tweets get more and more popular and everything, and, and I interact with more and more of you, and of course I have my regulars on Twitter and other social medias that I talk to, and that's all great. But maybe we can even reach further if we do like a live sort of a video, which I think the platform to go to on that front would be Twitter because that's definitely the platform that I'm most active on and also the one that I have the biggest following on. So that was just sort of an idea I had. I wanted to get your perspective on it if you're listening to this and and you think it would be a good idea. I've already had some feedback on Twitter about this because I put the idea out there, but if you have any other suggestions or just tell me if you think it's a good idea or a bad idea to take this sort of an approach, you can DM me at Mike Scudero on Twitter. Or if you just follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you can message me on Facebook. Or if you uh, if you just follow me on Instagram as well, you can message me on there too about this sort of a thing. Mike Scuds 97 on Instagram. And just tell me what you think about this sort of an idea. It was just... 
it was something that had crossed my mind, and, and, and I thought it was pretty interesting to at least think about, sort of a food for thought sort of a thing. But, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it, it was an idea that I had, and I just wanted to throw it at you and see what you think. So, again, once again, the idea is I'm just thinking of starting, you know, a Twitter live or maybe, I don't know, maybe even an, an Instagram live because I know a lot of you on Twitter, a lot of my regulars also follow me on Instagram. So, it was just an idea. Let's see what you think. So, that's the idea, the Twitter live idea or the Instagram live idea, just sort of a live video going while I record Yapping Yankees. And then, of course, after the fact, I would release the, the audio clip on SoundCloud, and, and just, just like usual, the rest would be the same. Just a matter of doing a sort of a live video throughout the recording that I, I thought it would be pretty curious. And, um, and also, I've some other ideas have started to pop into my mind as far as, you know, getting guests on the show. I'd have to figure out that sort of a setup. And I, I just think throughout the first 13 episodes here, I think it's just been a lot of fun, just me and you. I'd like to think I'm entertaining and informative, even though I'm by myself. I, I, I wanted to be different in that sense, because I, I know a lot of podcasts out there, they usually have multiple hosts and this and that. And you know what? That's that's totally fine. I'm not, I'm not trashing podcasts with multiple hosts or whatever it is. If you do your thing out there, if you put out your own content, good for you for even putting out your own content. It's not an easy thing to do and to keep up with all the time. But I just wanted to be a little bit different and, and just do my own thing here. And I, I've had a ton of fun doing it, and I've gotten nothing but positive feedback from the podcast. So as far as, like, co-hosts and things like that, I don't think I'm going to go that way. But as far as having guests on the show, that is a thought that I've had. And I definitely do think it's worth looking into. And when I get the proper setup and I'm good on doing it, I'll definitely start. I have tons of people that I already think of that that I, that I already want on here as a guest. So when I get that up and running, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely start that up and I'll keep you posted on it. And also the last thing I want to keep you posted on is that I know weeks ago, and this was literally weeks ago, that's how much of a scrub I am, but... I, I know that I promised weeks ago that I would have the podcast up on Apple Podcasts eventually, and that's still in the works, guys. Unfortunately, in the last month, I just got a new job in radio and everything, and I've just been kind of crazy, so I, I just haven't gotten to it, really. I'm, I'm not really, other than going on Twitter and, of course, watching the games and staying active on there, as far as yapping Yankees, I don't really give too much attention to it or like things like that until the weekend when I have more time on my hands. Because I don't have too much time on my hands during the week. Of course I have time. But not as much as I do on the weekends. And I just haven't really gotten around to doing it. But I did figure out how to get the podcast over to Apple. And I definitely will do it shortly. I know it has to do with the RSS feed and everything. So I will get to it. I do have to send Apple my RSS feed for my SoundCloud. So that it links up and everything like that. The episodes just shoot right over to there whenever I upload. But... It's also a process because I think you have to like submit it for review and that could take some time. So it's just, it's a little time consuming and and especially when in the last month you've been crazy like I am and you don't have too much time on your hands, it can be tough to get to. So that's just been what's doing with that. I know a couple of you might be wondering, hey, he said forever ago, what's the deal with the Apple podcast and he hasn't done anything yet. Well, that's the deal. Figured I'd finally update you on that and sorry for being a scrub. <laughs> so... Now that all that's out of the way, let us get to the Twitter and Instagram polls that I just posted a couple hours ago. I posted them a little bit late today, so on Twitter, I didn't get nearly as much, you know, feedback as I usually do, which is fine. The last few weeks, I've gotten incredible feedback on the polls on both Instagram and Twitter, so it's fine if you get some downtime on them. I don't really mind, but this one got around 50 votes, you know, on, on Twitter, 
And I figure today with the arrivals of Jordan Montgomery and Dellen Batantis, it's been forever since we've seen Jordan Montgomery. And I figured in his honor, I'd do a poll about him. Because other than home field advantage right now, there's not really any humongous topic about the Yankees other than, of course, Luis Severino coming back. But he's not officially back yet. As far as things that were going on today and things burning on people's minds, I'd say Jordan Montgomery was a big subject. So I did a poll on him. So the poll was, in honor of Montgomery coming back today for the first time in well over a year, how happy are you about his return on a scale of 1 to 10? The choices were 0 to 3, 4 to 6, 7 to 9, or an absolute 10. So I just wanted to see what people are thinking of. So the winning vote was 7 to 9 with 36%. 29% each went to 10 and 4 to 6, and only 7% voted for 0 to 3. So I'd say people are pretty decently excited about Montgomery coming back. That was the deal on Twitter, at least, with the feedback and everything. And and here are some of the replies. And as you know, on the Yapping Yankees poll replies, both on Instagram and Twitter, if you are to reply to them with a reason for your vote, then you do get a shout-out on this very podcast. So those that did reply, congratulations. I hope you're listening so you could hear your shout-out. So here they are. So the first shout-out goes to VR. Srinath. And again, before I even get going, I do, because I know I've, I've, I've botched a couple of the ats when I've done these shoutouts, and rightfully so, because some of your shoutouts, I'll just say it right now, are downright bizarre. <laughs> but, 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 so I just do, did want to put out like a preemptive warning almost before I even get into this, that I am sorry if I horribly botch your at name. I, I truly am, both either here or on Instagram. But VR Srinath, they see this, these are wild. <laughs> he said he is a great player, but I don't see him in a big role this season. I'm looking forward to him lighting up teams as a starter next year. Will easily fit in for CeCe as a reliable lefty. That's definitely an interesting perspective, as we all know. CeCe Sabathia is hanging up the cleats after the 2019 season comes to an end. And he even said a few days ago, I do respect CeCe for saying this because... He did say that if this team wasn't in contention, he would have gotten surgery and retired a while ago, but it shows you how much he wants to contribute to the team and how much he cares about this team that he pitches in the extreme pain that he does because he wants to see them win and he wants to be, be there to help out. It's admirable. That's what a leader and a veteran does. I also understand the perspective, though, like, hey, if he, if he wants to pitch, if he doesn't have it anymore, then he's costing the team in games that he pitches because he's not on the money and he's costing the team all this and that. Listen, I, I get that too. But you also got to admire the grit and the dedication. You do. At least I do. So Scotty Marsh at Sim and Tid. And Scotty and I had like a little... We, we've had disputes over the Yankees and Red Sox because I haven't taken his jokes very well. <laughs> and you, you know me. If, if you know anything about me, you know I do take jokes well. It's just that like especially like last night when he threw another joke at me, I just like responded back a little harshly because uh, I just wanted to be able to enjoy the Yankee win after the tough loss to the Blue Jays on Friday. So, but Scotty and I are good. He's a funny guy. He's a Red Sox fan, but again, I have I have plenty of friends in my life that are fans of opposing teams and mostly actually Red Sox fans. I have a lot of Red Sox fans friends. So he says, you know my answer, sir. Good luck today. <laughs> so I, I, I guess it's zero to three since you're a Red Sox fan, Scotty. I'm just going to take a wild guess. (laughs) So up next is CP7NY at CPizzaIA. 
Love to see him back, but I think it's more about next season. I don't see him on the postseason roster. Well, it seems like you have similar sentiment to Srinath. <laughs> I hope I'm saying your name right. God, that sounds wrong. But, <laughs> um, but it seems like you do have similar perspectives as far as you do. You just see him playing bigger roles next year, and I and I'm inclined to agree, considering Cece won't be here next year, and and he'll have started fresh and not just you know thrown into the middle of September when the playoffs are right around the corner. So I get that. But as far as the postseason roster, I think he could have a role on there. I think he'd be, he would be a solid bullpen piece. Go maybe two, three innings if they need him to. Maybe more. I don't know. It depends. Because in, in, the, in the playoffs, it allows you to use your bullpen more strategically and effectively because you have more pieces out there. You have less pitchers in the starting rotation, and you have all of your elites in the bullpen during the playoffs. You could use it much better. So I, I think Montgomery could be a solid bullpen piece if they want him out there. Kyle, Mud- Kyle Mudger at Padre 19 I loved watching his stuff before the injury. He's a big guy, so his delivery can throw hitters off. Definitely true. Especially with that great curveball. I, I, I'm inclined to agree, Kyle. But And I'll get into it a little bit in, a, in a, just a short while when I do talk about what I thought of Jordan Montgomery today in his appearance against the Blue Jays. His curveball wasn't really, wasn't really on the money today, and, and even Boone said that in the postgame. But we'll, we'll get into it later. MS Yankee 65 at mommy underscore Yankee 1976. For me, any return of a player that has the potential to help the team is a big 10. I love that. I love that mindset. So those are your responses on Twitter. And I, I know I usually get a lot more. I've I've gotten as many as, as almost like 50 a couple of weeks. And usually I get like you know, 15 to 20 usually. I have definitely a good amount of responses and... And there have been a ton of weeks where I've gotten 200, 300 votes. So, this week was a little shorter because I did post it a little late. Let me see when I posted this. I posted this at almost 2 in the afternoon. Usually I post it in the morning. So, not as much time to react to it. So, there you go. That's why. It's, it's all good. It's bound to happen at some point, you know? <laughs> so, let's head on over to Instagram now. Of course, same question applies. In honor of Montgomery coming back today for the first time in well over a year... How happy are you about his return on a scale of 1 to 10? Now, the only difference with this is that instead of dividing it up to f- up into four choices, like I did on Twitter, Instagram only allows the two voting options, so I just did the two voting options of 0 to 5 or 6 to 10. And the votes are pretty definitive here. Because only one person voted for, for 0 to 5. The rest voted for 6 to 10. So I'd say the general consensus on both social media platforms, people are happy to see Montgomery again. And rightfully so. He's a solid piece. And if anything, if anything, I know Montgomery's had his couple of rough starts, of course, but you really knew mostly what you were getting out of him. One thing that you can say about Montgomery is that, you know, you probably get like, I don't know, six innings, two, three runs out of him most of the time. At least he'd be consistent. As I said, you know what you were getting out of him a lot of the time. So that was always a good thing about Jordan. Today, obviously, he didn't get that much breathing room, of course, because he just got back. And he, they even said they would have had him in rehab a little bit more, but both my, all minor league seasons are over, so that's not an option. So let's get to the major talking topics of the day before we get to the weekly recap. There's a lot to talk about main topics-wise today, and, and a couple of them will be rants. And I know a lot of you like my rants out there, so you'll enjoy this. I'm going to have to put some people on blast today. 
because I, I it's just I'm just not in a, in a good mood about these topics today, and and you'll know what they are when I get to them. And and also this, just the Yankees losing the game today, and just Randall Grichuk just getting on my nerves. I, I've just had enough of him. I've had my fill of Randall Grichuk. So. Let's just get right into it. First of all, the latest Yankees significant injury news, and as we know, there's a lot of it. Because today, returning for the Yanks, obviously, were Jordan Montgomery and Dylan Batantis. And obviously, for their first times back, it's it's almost like a spring training, a very early in the season time for them. So you obviously don't expect perfection, of course. But And Montgomery struggled, but he still showed some positives with his velocity. The changeup looked all right. Some fastballs were looking fine. And, and as I said earlier, as in a response to one of the poll comments... The breaking ball just really wasn't on par, and again, Aaron Boone even said the same thing in the post game. I think when you know, when we have seen Monty have success, his curveball is typically a big part of it. So when he doesn't have it, he he's probably going to get hit around a little bit. So that's that's definitely the story with him. He got banged around a little bit. It's his first time back, and when players who have missed as much time as Montgomery basically needed a new elbow and missed as much time as he has and comes back his first time and gets hit around a little bit, it really doesn't shake my confidence in them. I know we're going to see a lot more of him and he has a lot more warming up to do and and getting back into the swing of things. I, I get it, trust me. Today didn't shake my confidence in him at all. I just thought it was really good to see him out there on the mound again, honestly. I really did. It was just good to see him back. It's another consistent, reliable arm out there that the Yankees have missed for quite some time, and it's good to see him have returned today. Now, Dylan Batantis, on the other hand, the other return, the big return, Dylan Batantis, a premier all-star. The Yankees have been missing out on him all year long. It's the middle of September. They finally get him back. People have been majorly anticipating his big return. He returned today in Toronto, faced two batters, and did about as good as you're going to do because he faced two batters and struck them both out. He looked great. Obviously, the velocity wasn't at 100, of course, and there was, a lot of, there was a lot of reports in the minors that his velocity wasn't quite there, and no one expected 100 or anything, but it was, it was there. The velocity was all right. It was, it was fine. And the curveball looked beautiful. <laughs> the curveball was stunning, very encouraging stuff. As long as that is working for Batances, because that's, of course, a huge strikeout pitch of his. And yeah, he, just make a li- he does make a living blowing people away with his fastball. But usually when one doesn't work, he falls back on the other. And both pitchers are so good, both the fastball and the curveball. He'll be fine if he just has to rely on one of them. He's, he's a great pitcher. And, and the fact that the Yankee bullpen has gotten by without him for as long as they have, and they've done as good as they have, it's pretty amazing. And adding him back there just makes it that much sweeter. Of course, as far as players that are yet to return, Stanton and Seve, of course, are returning this week. Seve, most notably, on Tuesday, he will be starting against the Angels in the first game of that series since the Yanks are off tomorrow, of course. And Giancarlo Stanton coming back as well, which leads me to my next major topic here on Yapping Yankees today, guys. But I, I do want to say that Severino, I'm so psyched for him on Tuesday. I do know that a lot of my good friends are going to the game on Tuesday on Twitter. And they're going to see him pitch live for the first time this year. I am not jealous at all, of course. Not at all. <laughs> of course, it's totally sarcastic. I'm completely jealous. And I just wish you have, I just, I hope you have fun. I know I'm going to have a blast on the other side of the television watching our ace back in business. If he could go like four solid innings, that's really all I would ask for. That'd be great. I cannot wait to see him back. Just he and, and Montgomery coming back. Great pieces of news. 
and vital going forward, of course. But as far as Stanton's concerned, I need I need to get this out of my system. So gather around whatever device you're listening to this on, because I'm I'm about to dish out some facts right now. Because I've I've had just about enough of seeing this on Twitter. Listen, I know a lot of people in the Yankees community when it comes to John Carlos Stanton are not his biggest fans. And if you want to go out there and factually, factually report on the times where he has not given you much confidence in him as a player, for instance, maybe striking out in a bunch of vital situations in last year's ALDS, not coming up in the clutch in general, although there are plenty of other players that don't come up in the clutch usually, and you just want to say all these things and call him out for the times he wasn't good, fine. You know, if you if you want to call out players for not for not doing well, especially for an extended period of time. Listen, even I do that, and that's fine. People loved calling out Clint Frazier this and that for his antics. A lot of people called out Stanton when he wouldn't come through in the clutch a lot of the time. Some people were even calling out Judge, even though that was really over-the-top vitriolic with some of those. But still, you know, I, I get it. A lot of people call out players. They, they critique them. They criticize them. That's, that's fine. Fans have done that forever. Even I do that sometimes. That's natural. It's natural. We've all done it at one point or another, I feel. We've all gone out there and saying, you know what, I'm just not the biggest fan of this guy, and he hasn't done this or that the way I wanted him to, and I'm just calling him out a little bit. It's whatever. Fans do it all the time. But here's the thing. Especially with Stanton, I've seen this. There have been so many people, and I've just had enough of this, just being so over the top, insulting with players that play on the team that they root for, saying such bad things as such as, oh, I hope he stays hurt or he stays on the IL, this and that. I, that stuff makes me mental. It makes me mental. And especially if, if you are to wish something as bad as, uh, oh, may, I hope he gets re-injured, this and that, just so he stays out, or again, staying on the IL, or just anything like that. That over-the-top hate for a player that plays on the team that you root for, I will never understand. I will never understand it. I don't really comprehend people not wanting Stanton back in the first place, but if you don't like Stanton, that whatever, whatever, I like the guy. And I, and I fully acknowledge the fact that if he comes back and doesn't do well, then this town will eat him alive. I acknowledge that. But if you don't like him, whatever, I like the guy. But if you want to go out there and say awful things like that about a player that plays on the team that you root for, I'm not sure I want anything to do with you, really. How could you possibly say about somebody, and and Stanton, who put up still some pretty good numbers last year, 38 home runs, 100 RBIs, that was considered a down year, and I know a lot of you Stanton haters are just about done with hearing that, but it's the truth that the stats... Do I wish Stanton came up a lot more of the time in some clutch situations? Yeah, there are definitely times that I that I really want him to come up in clutch situations when he didn't. But I've had those points in time with a lot of players. To say that you, I, oh, I hope he stays hurt. I hope he stays on the IL. What the hell is wrong with you? The guy plays on your team. I've seen more tweets than I care to count that say something like that. So I went on Twitter today, and I basically, I, I said something that got a lot of attention. I didn't mean for it to get this much attention around 100 faves and a bunch of retweets and comments and, and all this stuff. 
But I said, if I got a dollar for every tweet that I see from a Yankee fan insulting our own players, I'd be able to buy season tickets for the next five years. And guess what? It's true. I guess some people didn't really acknowledge that... I, I guess they didn't acknowledge that, you know, what I meant by insulting. So I had to explain to a couple of them. And one of my good friends, Hendo on there, you know, he understood after I explained it to him. But there was also this these couple of people that replied. It just doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense to me. Some of these replies that I got to this tweet. A lot of a lot of people just don't understand it. This one guy, Wink Radio, says, Oh, that's uh that's what fandom is about, not blind loyalty. Oh, so fandom is about wishing players stay hurt and on the IL? <laughs> I I've been lied to for eleven years. <laughs> This is the first I've heard of that. Nobody blindly supports the team. Unless if you're working for a network for the team, then you kind of have to. But really, I mean, are, are, are you serious? Like, like I, I never said somebody has to be blind, blindly loyal to a team. I never said that. And maybe I should have been a little bit more specific when I said insulting, because really the Stanton thing was really what I was driving home about. But I've seen this towards a lot of Yankees, a, a lot of the Yankee players, things like this. Just really vitriolic insults towards players on a team that we root for as Yankee fans. I just don't get it. So fandom is about horribly insulting people and saying, oh, you wish they stay hurt? Oh my God! And I and and I've seen more tweets of these than I care to count. You don't like Stanton? Fine. You want to critique him fairly? Fine. You say, "Oh, I wish he came up in this clutch situation or that clutch situation." That's valid. You can critique players all you want, but to be over the top like that, and then act like you don't understand my tweet, you know what I was saying. Cut the crap. And I usually never get upset about this sort of a thing, but, I, and again, I got like 30 replies to this. There are only like one or two that really, that we said, oh, that's what fandom's about, or, or uh, whatever. Listen, listen. I am more than fine with, again, critiquing the players or calling them out when they don't do well. I do that myself. But come on, you know what I meant. Don't play stupid with me on Twitter. So I, I just really had to get that out of my system. And, and I really, when Stanton comes back, I know it's going to take time for him to get his timing back and everything, and the playoffs are right around the corner, but I, a part of me really just hopes he comes back and does great. I, I really do. I want to see a lot of people's mouths shut. That's my wish. So, John Carlo, if by some miracle you're listening to this podcast, which you're probably not, but if by some miracle you are, just know that I hope when you come back, I hope you kick ass. I hope you lay the smack down on every single pitcher you face and shut everybody up. I know why people are hard on Giancarlo. I'm not an idiot. I wasn't born yesterday. I know people want him to do better because of the amount of money he's being paid, saying that he should be doing even more than what he's been doing, double that. I understand why he gets what he gets. But my God, do I still hope that he just shuts everybody up. I really do. 
And I know the and I know these tweets will never stop these vitriolic tweets from Yankee fans. And I, I know some people say, "Oh, you know, the, what is this? Your first time seeing something like this? You must be pretty naive." No, I'm not naive. I've been a Yankee fan since 2007. I've seen it a lot. I'm not stupid. And I know a lot of you have been fans longer than I have. Good for you. But I'm not naive. I've seen this before. And it's not the first time I've seen it. That's not why I, why I addressed this subject. I just saw an over-the-top amount of tweets about this. And I wanted to address it in a tweet of my own. And say how ridiculous I think it is. Am I not allowed to do that? Just, 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 please. Don't act stupid with me on Twitter with this. I thought I'd address it with a little funny twist about the I'd be able to buy season tickets for the next five five years, and I, there are a ton of people that appreciated that, as you know, because they get me. They've known me on Twitter for a long time. They know me. But yeah, I just hope John Carlo comes back and shuts everybody's mouth. Because I've just had enough of hearing about it over and over again. I really have. Just stop wishing badness on Stanton, someone who could be very, very vital to this team going forward. And of course, you know, he could definitely be big when he comes back with the loss of Gary Sanchez and the loss of Edwin Encarnacion. Of, of course, with those new, with that news, you know, Encarnacion's oblique strain that he has apparently, according to Boone, is mild, or at least you pray. And Gary, they hope that he's back before the end of the year too, so that's good. But... With the absence of those two guys, with with a big gun like Stanton coming back, you hope he could fill a void. Just root for him. I get you want him to do more. I get it. I get it. But just root for him. The playoffs are right around the corner. We got to band together. Stop dividing. Oh, my goodness. So about today... The, the last really talking point that I have before we get into the weekly recap. Today's game, and this factors into this me, this last topic. Today's game, another annoying one. Randall Grichuk single-handedly ruining the whole game. Again, <laughs> the premier Yankee killer of 2019, Randall Grichuk of the Toronto Blue Jays, for crying out loud, the Yankees cannot get this guy out, let alone get him out, let alone keep him in the ballpark. Oh, my God. It's irritating losing two out of three to a team like the Blue Jays. And and I I get that despite them having 90 losses, I I get they've played the Yankees tough all year. I believe the Yankees' record against them was only 9-7 after today's game, which isn't good. The Blue Jays played them tough this year. The Yankees have done a great job at handling the rest of the AL East in the Red Sox, in the Rays, in the Orioles. They've done a great job. But the Blue Jays especially just in Rogers Center. The Yankees handled them very well in Yankee Stadium, but at the Rogers Center, my goodness gracious me, have the Yankees struggled there this year. The Blue Jays have played them tough there. And this goes into what I was saying about a road trip that was 6-4, and four, going back to the Boston one also. But the road trip being 6-4 and four, in a road trip that probably could have been 8-2. and two. And I'll explain why I say that, but... Again, another tough loss today because of Randall Grichuk. Because, you know, today, the Astros again, I don't know what the final score was against the Royals that they had. I will take a look now, and I'm scrolling down. Whatever that final score was, I know the Astros won. Yep, 12-3. to The Astros really handled the Royals this weekend. They handled their bad team gameplay. They handled it. They handled their business. But the Yankees couldn't quite handle the Blue Jays. They lost 2 out of 3. 
tough loss now because going into the weekend, the Yankees were two games better than the Astros for the best record in baseball. And now the Astros are tied with the Yankees again because the Yankees lost two out of three and the Astros swept. So with about a week and a half left in the season, this is what we got for about, what is it, 11 more games? Because the Yankees are 98-53 and now. So they played 151 games. And there's 162. So the Yankees have 11 games left. About two weeks, 11 games. And them and the Astros are gridlocked for the best record. And as you know, if the Astros and the Yankees finish the season with a tie for the best record in baseball, the Astros get the edge because they won more games against us in our head-to-head matchups throughout the regular season. So because the Astros had that edge over the Yankees in the head-to-head matchups, the Astros would get the edge over the Yankees for home field advantage if they were to cross paths in the playoffs, which a lot of people anticipate on them doing. So this is a good weekend to take advantage of another poor gameplay team like the Blue Jays. And trust me, I get it. I know that they have their talented players on offense. They have Bo Bichette. They have Vlad Guerrero Jr. They have Kevin Biggio. They have Teoscar Hernandez. I could go on all day. They have the, they have good players on their offense. I get it. And especially the Yankee killer, Randall Gritchuk. Don't want to forget about him. But this is a weekend that if you're the Yankees, you'd really want to win two out of three. And again, this, this goes into the next discussion. The last one that I was talking about. The topic of home field advantage. And a lot of people stressing the fact that this weekend is meaningless and the rest of these games are meaningless because the Yankees are going to have the division all wrapped up. And while I agree with the fact that the, that the division is wrapped up and in that sense, these games are meaningless, but as far as home field advantage goes, it's not meaningless to me. Home field advantage means a lot to me. And I also do hear those out there that are stressing the fact that the Yankees and them want the team to keep the players healthy, have regular rest, and I am all on board with that. But I do feel that you can balance the two, both resting people and ensuring that you win games that you're supposed to win. The biggest game in the last week being the first game in Detroit where the Yankees were beating a 100-loss Tigers team by a score of 6 to nothing. And I know in hindsight, I know, that, te- that game was like the World Series for the Tigers. And again, when it comes to the overall playoff picture and it comes to the division, yes, that loss, that game was meaningless. I get it. But as far as home field advantage goes, the Yankees should have won that game. And it's important. Because to me, I don't know about you, but I want the Yankees to have home field advantage. I want them to have it. It's important to me. It played a factor in 2017 against the Astros. The Astros won all their games at home. The Yankees won all their games at home. So clearly it mattered where the games were being played, at least a little bit. So this subject matters to me. So down the stretch here, with the end being near, plugging the title of the episode there, (laughs) with the end being near, this matters to me. The Yankees need to win these games that should be won. When you're up 6 to nothing against a Tigers team that has 100 losses, that should be a victory. When you're down 3 to nothing against the Blue Jays, you take a 5 to 3 lead with just a few innings left to go. 
and you have a good amount in your bullpen to go, you should win that game against a 90-loss team in the Blue Jays. So those are the two games. The first game of this Blue Jays series, which I definitely I definitely think the Yankees should have won that and held on to that. Because, again, the tying run scoring on a balk. Which I think all of us could be the biggest baseball fans out there. We None of us. I don't care if you, if you think you have a fine understanding of it. There is always somewhat of a misunderstanding in the minds of a lot of people when it comes to a balk what exactly it is i know it's when they flinch when they don't when they don't step off the when they don't step off the rubber and they look over i actually know what a balk is but sometimes it's really tough to tell when one happens and i think when it's really tough to tell i don't think any of us truly know what it is i think it's just up to the umpire's discretion but allowing that tie on a balk and not holding that lead later in the game Tough loss. Not holding a 6 nothing lead over a 100-loss, very weakly offensive Tigers team hurts. That's a tough loss when you're fighting for home field. So again, I don't want to over-exaggerate the losses because I know, again, I'll repeat myself for those of you that aren't understanding me. In hindsight, when it comes to the playoff picture, the division, I know these games are meaningless. But for someone such as myself that cares a lot about home field advantage, it means more to me. And these games that should be won should be won. So it just drives me crazy being told how these games are meaningless. These games are meaningless. They're not meaningless to me because I want the Yankees to have home field advantage. And while the Yankees road record... By no means is the Yankees' road record bad this year. It's actually pretty good. It's really good. But guess what? It's even better at home because the Yankees play very good in the Bronx. If they're in a vital Game 7, when everything's on the line, are you going to want them on the road or here? I don't know about you, but I want the Yankees here in the Bronx being juiced up by their psychotic crowd. Which definitely has an effect on them because they clearly play differently when it happens. It's evident. It's it's right in front of our eyes. The proof is right there. So that's the tirades I have to go I had to go on today. So whether you disagree with me or agree with me or what on these subjects, obviously I hope you agree, but if we disagree it's fine. I'm one of those people if you know me, I can agree to disagree. Different viewpoints is a beautiful thing about life, and it could, you know, it could, it could open your mind to other possibilities, hearing other viewpoints. But I certainly hope you agree with me, because I do, I do feel like what I'm talking is is reasonable, and I feel like it's agreeable. So I do hope that you agree. But of course, we all have our own viewpoints. So those are the subjects, the main talking points for the day. We haven't even gotten a weekly recap yet, so let's get to it really quickly. Last week, on Sunday, of course, the Yankees did defeat the Red Sox 10-5, and then they would head into Monday, face the Red Sox once more, shut them out 5 to nothing, winning 3 out of 4 throughout the weekend in Boston. Definitely a good start to the road trip. And then on Tuesday, they would hit Detroit. Here's the first game that I was talking about, the one that the Yankees should have won. When it comes to home field, it was important to me. The Yankees winning 6 to nothing and then blowing it. Nestor Cortez Jr. just ended up falling apart in the third inning. Luis Sessa didn't really help much of anything out. Neither did Guerin or Loisica. 
It was. Just, it just wasn't good. And of course, Chance Adams, the one that I trust the least, lost the game when it was tied at eleven. I think I've just had my fill of Chance Adams. But anyway, let's get into the the scoring plays of the game. So in the top of the first, Gardner led things off with a solo home run, made it one to nothing right off the bat. And Brett Gardner with the home runs has just been on an absolutely surreal tirade so far. He's been doing a great, great job with that. Mike Ford, RBI single, made it 2-0. Tyler Wade, two-run triple, made it 4-0. And then a Brett Gardner, two-run homer, another home run for him, made it 6-0. And the Yankees should not have looked back from this point. But in the bottom of the third, starting with Nestor Cortez just imploding, and Cortez has not been good lately. I do want to say that. He has not been good. In the bottom of the third, Miguel Cabrera started off the scoring front for the Tigers, putting them on the board with an RBI single to make it 6-1 Yankees. Then it was 6-2 after Candelario hit an RBI single to make it 6-2. 6-3 after Kristen Stewart sack fly. 6-4 after Demerit RBI single. And then Grayson Griner tied the game. Two-run single made it 6-6. And at this point, I just didn't know what to think against a, a team like the Tigers. Glaber Torres, top of the fourth, put the Yankees out in front again, 7-6 with a solo shot, his 36th of the year. Then Didi hit a solo shot of his own to make it 8-6. Then it was 8-7 after a solo shot by Kristen Stewart, and then 8-8 after a sack fly by Miguel Cabrera. And this is what I'm talking about before. You know, again, they just keep punching back. Then it was 10-8 after Candelario hit a two-run single to make it 10-8. And then Edwin Encarnacion... God, do I miss him already. It was nice to have him back for about two minutes. But of course, I do hope he comes back, obviously. He's a, such a vital part to this offense. Two-run shot to tie it at 10. D.D. Gregorius, second home run of the night to put them ahead. 11-10, the Yankees, that is. And at this point, I'm just beside myself. You know, this is just a crazy game. Bottom seventh, Harold Castro, 11-11 on an RBI single. And then in the bottom of the ninth... The very, very mortal Chance Adams giving up the walk-off RBI single. And after losing 6 to nothing at one point, the Tigers come out with the 12-11 to bizarre victory. Nothing short of bizarre. Wednesday would come around. The Yankees got postponed. Really, really bad weather in Detroit. So they played a doubleheader on Thursday. So, both games, needless to say, went very well. The Yankees would sweep the doubleheader and take the series, but they certainly could have swept the series as a whole because they should have won the first game. Top of the first, Luke Voigt, two-run shot, made it 2 nothing in Game 1. Then an Edwin Encarnacion, two-run shot, another home run for him. Made it 4 nothing Yankees, then it was 4-2 to two Yankees. After Dal Lugo hit a two-run shot, made it 4-2. Then it was 5-2 after a wild pitch. Aaron Judge came home to score. Then 7-2 after a two-run double by Cameron Mabin. Bottom of the seventh saw Ronnie Rodriguez hit an RBI ground out, made it 7-3. 8-3 after a, an RBI single by Luke Voigt. And then it was 10-3, two-run triple for Didi Gregorius. 10-4 after Demerit hit a solo shot to make it 10-4 Yankees, and that's the score that the Yankees would win by in Game 1. So Game 1 went very well. Definitely. And then the nightcap came around, and the Yankees would win this game 6-4. Sabathia would start it off. He had a he had a first he had a good first three innings. He was definitely on the money, 
but then he started to fall apart a little bit, so the Yankees brought in Herman for four innings. Herman did a fine job. Obviously, of course, it's clear that they're going to start limiting his innings now, and he got the victory on the day. He got his 18th win, which is a huge deal. That's that's really, really big. And the Yankees win 6-4, so the scoring plays of the game would be as follows. In the top of the first, Aaron Judge started things off with a two-run shot to make a 2-0 Yankees in this game. RBI double for DJ LeMahieu made it 3-0. 3-2 after Brandon Dixon hit a two-run double for the Tigers. 4-2 after D.D. Gregorius hit an hit a RBI single. 6-2, Gio Rochella, two-run bomb to left center. This is, an, this is an impressive home run. That was Gio's 20th of the year. Grayson Griner hit an RBI triple to make it 6-3 Yankees, and then it was 6-4 Yankees after John Hicks hits an RBI double. Off of rolled as Chapman in the bottom of the ninth, but that was it. The Yankees win that game 6-4. They swept the doubleheader and won the series. They'd move on to Toronto. And again, this, the other game that I was talking about, the Yankees probably shouldn't have lost. This game, when they had a nice comeback, thought they would you know, ride the comeback and go to victory. They did not, of course. And, if, and also, something just really bad happened in this game to Blue Jays pitching. We'll get into it. Tanaka started this game. He just really did not did not look good at all. He only went five innings, allowed four runs. He did have six strikeouts, but he, just, he didn't look good. He just didn't. So, the scoring plays in this game started off in the bottom of the second with... <laughs> Randall Grichuk... <laughs> Solo shot in the bottom of the second made it one nothing Blue Jays right away. Reese McGuire RBI double made it two nothing Blue Jays. Three nothing Blue Jays after Teoscar Hernandez hit an RBI single. And at this point, you're saying, "Oh boy, Rogers center struggles continuing." But then the Yankees found some life in them. Clint Frazier RBI double three one Blue Jays three two Blue Jays RBI single by Romine. And then reaching on a fielder's choice and driving a run in Luke Voigt would tie the game at three. And then Gio Rochello put the Yankees ahead. All in one inning. Two-run single. Made it 5-3 Yankees. And the Yankee offense died after this. Pitching couldn't hold it. And they would end up losing. Bottom of the fifth. Kevin Biggio. RBI single. Made it 5-4. Then Adam Adovino. On a balk. Allowed. Richard Arena to score. And then in the bottom of the twelfth of course. Bo Bichette. Walking it off. Off of the. Just. Amazing, of course, Tyler Lyons, another minor league pitcher. So, that's that. (laughs) Really annoying game. But the really bad story I want to get to is definitely Tim Meza, and I feel feel awful for this kid because he legit just threw his elbow out. He was pitching to to D.D. Gregorius, I think it was, and, and he threw a pitch way behind him, and at first we're like, oh my God, what kind of a pitch was that? But then... Next thing you know, he's grabbing his elbow. He seems to not be able to straighten out his arm. And he goes down to a knee and covers his face with his jersey. And it looks like he started to cry in pain. So it was obvious. And right when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, that might be auto Tommy John right there. Oh my goodness. And they showed it on replay, how he slung his arm. And oh my God, I felt so bad. He was in such an enormous amount of pain. I hate seeing that. I always feel awful for athletes whenever that happens to them. That looked so terrible. I felt so bad for the kid. I really did. And then it was announced the next day, Meza will have Tommy John surgery. He's probably going to miss all of next year. That's, it's, that's tough. 
So that was just a really bad story from Friday's game. And I definitely do wish Tim Mays are the best. That just sucks. It really does. The next day, the Yankees would bounce back. Yesterday, James Paxson with another good start. Didn't necessarily have his best stuff, and his pitch count was high by the time he finished his fifth and final inning of work. But he still got through it. Five innings, one run, three strikeouts, two walks. Earned his 14th victory. Corey Guerin and Jonathan Loisico, along with Ryan Dull, although Dull gave up a couple of runs. Because, again, he's another one from the minor leagues that just has not done good in his expanded roster's opportunity here. But, nonetheless, another good start from Paxton. And the Yankee offense winning 13-3 to just piled on relentlessly. The game would start off top of the second. Brett Gardner, RBI double. Then, 2 nothing Yankees after an RBI double for Luke Voigt. It was a grounds rule double. 3 nothing after a Gardner solo shot. 6 nothing after a Gardner three-run shot. That was his 25th. I mean, it's just unbelievable the year he's having. I think Gardner's definitely earned himself another year. I, I, I definitely think it's fair to say that. Bottom of the fifth, Bo Bichette. Sacrifice fly, made it 6-1 Yankees. Then it was 8-1, the Yankees punched right back. Labor Torres' two-run shot is 37th of the freaking season. <laughs> made it 8-1, drove DJ, DJ LeMayhew home there. 9-1 and a solo shot by Luke Voigt. 10 to 1, Tyro Estrada, RBI single. Then 11 to 1, RBI ground off for Tyler Wade. 13 to 1 on a two run shot by Mike Ford. Just a lot happened. And Richard Arena in the bottom of the ninth made it 13 3 with a two run double, and that was the score the Yankees would win by 13 3. And then, of course, today, thanks to Randall Gritchuk, just a really, really annoying loss. Obviously, the Yankees started the game off with Chad Green for an inning. He pit, he's he pitched a scoreless first. Then Montgomery, as I mentioned before, got hit around a bit. Two innings, three runs, two strikeouts. He came in after that. And then you had Dallin Batances come in, faced two batters, struck out both of them. He looked great. Then Nestor Cortez, who would be the one to give up the three-run shot to Randall Grichuk. And again, Cortez has just not looked good lately. He would take the loss, his first loss of the year. And the Yankees would lose 6-4. So here's the scoring summary. You have Aaron Judge. He started the game off with an opposite field solo shot to make it 1-0 Yankees. 1-1 after Billy McKinney hit an RBI single. 2-1 after Richard Urena hit an RBI double. Then it was 2-1 Blue Jays. 2-2 after an RBI double by DJ LeMayhew. Then it was 3-2 after DD hit an RBI single right past second base. Then it was 3-3 after Randall Gritchuk. <laughs> Oh my god. Saying his name just makes me angry today. He tied the game up at three with a solo shot. And then in the bottom of the fifth would come up and hit a three-run shot, a go-ahead three-run shot, to make it 6-3 Blue Jays and they wouldn't look back. The Yankees would score on a throwing error by Urino over at third on a ball that DJ LeMayhew hit. And Austin Romine would come home to score, but the Yankees would lose 6-4. to four. So that's the last week. This road trip ended up being... Six and four. Again, those two games that I was talking about could have very well been an eight and two road trip, which again, I'm, I'm not going to go crazy about it, but it's important in the scheme of home field advantage. It is. I'm not going to pretend like it's not. And I'm not going to apologize for caring about home field advantage. I want our players to be healthy, of course, because we've dealt with way more than enough injuries this year. But at the same time, I think we could balance it too. I also think we should be Value, valuing home field advantage. I definitely think we should be. 
So now that the week in that now that the weekly recap is done, we'll look for the next week of action for the Yankees as the end is near here in the season. Tomorrow, the Yankees have an off day, as do the Houston Astros, and it would seem the Los Angeles Dodgers do as well. So nothing's going to happen in the, in the scheme of home field advantage tomorrow. Tuesday, the Yankees return home for a series against the Los Angeles Angels. The first game, Luis Severino will be starting, so definitely watch that game to see Luis Severino back in action for the first time in 2019, for the love of God. 6.35 p.m. Eastern time is the start time for Tuesday's game. Wednesday will be the same starting time, 6.35 p.m. Eastern against the Angels, and again 6.35 p.m. on Thursday also against the Angels. The Yankees will then remain home, and the Blue Jays will come in. Now, this is in Yankee Stadium, so I think I think the Yankees will handle them in Yankee Stadium. It's just in Rogers Center they struggle the hell out of them. <laughs> so, 7.05 p.m. starting time on Friday against the Blue Jays. On Saturday, 1.05 p.m. against the Blue Jays in Yankee Stadium. And on Sunday, also 1.05 p.m. against the Blue Jays in the Bronx. And then we basically have the last, the last week, guys, after that. Because then the next weekend after that is the last series of the season against the Rangers in Texas. So that's it. The season, again, that's why this episode is called The End is Near. This is it. It's coming to an end. Best records in baseball. Depends on what the Dodgers do tonight against the Mets to see where they'll stand. If they lose, then they'll stay two games behind the Yankees and the Astros. And the Yankees and Astros are tied for the best record in baseball. That's where they stand right now. As far as standings around the league, we'll breeze right through these because a lot of them are said and done. In the AL East, all that matters is that Tampa Bay is eight and a half games back of the Yankees. Cleveland, four and a half games back behind the Twins. You have the Oakland A's who are shooting for a wild card spot, but they are seven and a half games back of Houston for first place in the West. Then in the NL East, you have the Washington Nationals, nine and a half back of the first place Braves. Over in the NL Central, You have both the Cubs and Milwaukee still in it for first place. The Cubs trail the Cardinals by two games for first, and Milwaukee trails the Cardinals by three games. And over in the West, of course, the division was mathematically decided in the last week, but of course, in reality, this division was decided back in May because the NL West is the most boring division in Major League Baseball. The Los Angeles Dodgers have officially clinched the NL West. As far as the wild card picture goes... We look in the American League right now. Oakland has the first wild card up by a game over Tampa. And then the Cleveland Indians, two games behind the second wild card team, the Tampa Bay Rays. And Boston, they're very, very soon going to be eliminated from the postseason. Their elimination number is four. They're nine and a half games behind Tampa Bay for the second wild card. Everyone else has been mathematically eliminated. Over in the National League wild card, we'll just do like the first, you know, maybe like four teams that are out of the wild card picture because the rest of them, like the Giants and Cincinnati and San Diego, they're on the verge of getting eliminated from postseason contention. So I won't really talk about them. But as far as the wild card goes in the National League, Washington Nationals, first wild card, a game and a half up on the Chicago Cubs. And then behind the Cubs for the second wild card, you have Milwaukee, a game behind them. The Mets, three and a half behind them as well. But again, the Mets have not played tonight, so that'll factor in. Because the Cubs won already today. 
So if the Mets lose, they'll be four games back of the Cubs. If they win, they'll just stay put at three. But right now they're three and a half because they haven't played yet. And in Philadelphia, four and a half games behind the Cubs for the second wild card. And the Diamondbacks, who have fallen since their hot streak, five games behind the Chicago Cubs. So, guys, that's the deal around baseball. And that's the deal with episode 13 of Yapping Yankees as well. We've gone a while. This is almost an hour long. (laughs) I know, I always go long here on Yapping Yankees. I just love talking. I never shut up. (laughs) So, I do... I would like to say thanks so much for listening. One last shout-out to Team Left Jab, of course, as always, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. They feature Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and, of course, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms and check out their great sports content across any platform that you can find. Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk, Blog Talk Radio, <sighs> iHeart, you name it, everywhere. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab, guys, please. Got good stuff over there, and I'm also on there having interviews often. They have a bunch of good people on there for interviews all the time. Also, while you're at it, be sure to follow me, your boy Mike Scudero on social media as well. Mike Scudero NY on Facebook, at Mike Scudero on Twitter, and MikeScuds97 on Instagram. And also, if you want your name to continue to be shouted out on on Yapping Yankees, do definitely reply. Do definitely reply to the polls, and you will get your shout-out. But I I did just realize that before we go, let me just read the replies on Instagram, because I forgot to do that earlier. (laughs) So, we had so much to talk about, I just forgot to do this. So, first response to the Instagram poll, Tegan Graham 23 on Instagram. Jordan Montgomery is going to be the key to winning the World Series. It's a very bold statement, but I believe that he will be the tipping point. That's bold right there. The Dark Knight 025. My friend James Celeste from Twitter at Anime Soldier 01. Very happy. I always love Gumby. And he's awesome. He was good before he had Tommy John. And I think he's building back into next year's rotation. Definitely true. And Matt Schwartz.14. He should really help the rotation. Praying he's the one we needed. Well, those are the Instagram replies. I can't believe I forgot to do those. I'm sorry, guys. But you still got your shout outs. That's what matters. So. So again, be sure to follow Team Left Jab all over the place. Be sure to follow me. And also, be sure to get back to me on what you think about the Twitter or Instagram live idea. I'm still really thinking about that. And also, just hang tight for this podcast to be on Apple Podcasts. I promise at some point it will be there. And I will update you the second that it is. Okay? So, once again, thank you 3000 for listening. I'm Mike Scudero, and I'll talk to you next Sunday, September 22nd, when I come at you with episode 14 of Yapping Yankees. And most importantly, never forget to keep watching Yankees baseball and keep being a savage. Take care, guys. Mm-hmm.